What's up, guys? This is Nick, host of the American Allegiance Podcast. Welcome back. We're running our second episode of the week, and I got a special guest with me today. You probably recognize him from about two years ago when we did our last episode. His name is George Smith, and he's a good friend of mine, a police officer out here in Virginia. And uh, last time George was on the show, we did an episode about mental health and suicide, and we talked about a lot of important topics. But since then, um, our lives have changed quite a bit. And we're both in very different spots than we were two years ago. That was probably one of, if not the most popular episode I think I've done to date in terms of response and feedback and just viewership that we got on that episode. And I think a lot of people got a ton of value from that episode. So um, I thought it'd be an awesome idea to do a second round of this, just kind of with the climate of the world that we're in today and give you guys kind of a life update on how we're doing individually and some changes in the life and and George specifically with uh, the introduction of his kids. So without further ado, George, welcome to the show and welcome back to Virginia Beach. I appreciate you making the 45 minute drive out here, but I think it's going to be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in and listening and Nick, thank you for having me on. Hell yeah, man. I, I consider you one of my best friends, dude. And uh, I know we're not like the type of people that talk every day or every week and I honestly haven't seen you probably in a year now, but you're just a very dependable dude. And uh, I think you bring a lot of life experience and a lot of just knowledge to the table that a lot of people are going to benefit from this episode. And I think we're going to go over some important things in this episode and have a cool conversation. And I'm just looking forward to talking, dude, and chit-chatting because we got a lot to catch up on ourselves. I think we got a bunch of topics that I kind of want to address and uh, we'll start by just telling me the story. You, you were just telling me a story right before we started this episode about a shooting we just had here in Newport News, you said it was? Yep. Newport News. A six-year-old kid, I guess this afternoon, a couple hours ago, went into a school and shot his teacher in the stomach. And when you told me this story, I almost thought, there's no fucking way a six-year-old kid shot his had first of all had the capacity and the mental capacity to understand what a firearm is bring a firearm to school pull the trigger and shoot somebody with intent to do harm i don't know if a lot of people can really grasp that i i have a i have a hard time grasping that even with what we're exposed to every day in our job but this is a this is some scary shit going on in the world right now, and this example just is one of many cases that I think is very disturbing with parenting, and that's another topic we're going to hit on today is parenting and what we're exposing our kids to at such a young age. It's just, it's not good for society, and it's really concerning the direction that we're going as a society right now, and when you told me that story, dude, I was just, I was kind of put off, but I think it's a conversation that needs to be had. And I think people really need to understand the severity of this if we continue to go down this route. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, the the whole aspect of this, and I'll get to the story in a little bit, but the whole aspect is, of this is this is no longer a game. This is no longer a thing that we can take lightly. And we can't approach this topic or this scenario of guns with, you know, stop hate and love and yeah all those things are great but it's not going to fix the problem we have a huge problem going on right now in this country and in this world but specifically this country it's a huge problem 
So with this story, so today, literally today, Rich Neck Elementary School in Newport News, my stepniece goes there. She's seven years old. And, you know, I'm getting ready to come over here to, you know, to Nick's house. And her mom, or sorry, her dad calls uh, my significant other and says, yeah, there was a shooting at um, Natalie's school. And I'm thinking, holy crap. You know, a school shooting at another elementary school. What happened? I wanted all the details. And so, you know, my girlfriend's uh, brother called and said, uh, yeah, it was a six-year-old. A six-year-old, guys. Pulled a gun, pointed it at a teacher, and shot her in the stomach. And, you know, this really angers me. This doesn't say, this doesn't make me say, oh, I really, you know, I wonder what's going on with that kid. He must be disturbed. Yeah, he's fucking disturbed. Are you kidding me? What person in their right mind says, hey, it's okay to pull this gun and shoot this person, let alone a six, six-year-old? And, you know, and I'm not sure exactly where it happened in the school. You know, we, we got different accounts of what it happened in the office or wherever, but I mean... And, you know, and, and this kind of goes to another topic that we're going to talk about is gun control, gun control, gun control. Guys, gun control is not obviously stopping shootings from happening. I mean, uh, how does a six-year-old get a, get a gun? He didn't go to the store and buy it. I promise you that. So how does he get a gun? There's no laws that are going to stop shootings from happening. Bro, there's two issues that I want to branch off of based on this story. The first one is parenting because this all comes down to parenting. You can't even, I don't even blame the kid in this scenario at all. The fact that he has the knowledge and mental capacity to take a gun, wherever he got it from, I don't know if he's got an older brother that gave it to him. I don't know if it was just laying around the house. It was unsecure. I highly doubt the parents just gave it to him and said, go protect yourself. Regardless of the situation, the fact that this kid has the ability, the knowledge, and the means to take a gun to school without any type of supervision, secure it in his backpack or wherever the fuck it was, okay, and go through with pulling the trigger on somebody without fully understanding the repercussions of what's happening. Like, you as a six-year-old do not understand the, what the consequences are when you pull the trigger of a firearm. You just don't. You think it's fun and games. You think this is cool. Wow. Pow. Gun goes off. Something cool just happened. You don't know that you just potentially ended somebody's life. Aside from the fact that gun could have went off in your backpack, that gun could have went off while you were bringing it to school, you could have killed yourself. The kid could have killed itself with it. This is all on the parents, and this is a huge problem in society on what we are exposing our children to. And I'm not even talking about specifically guns. I'm talking about social media. I'm talking about TikTok. I'm talking about porn. I'm talking about the things that we allow our kids to see are shaping them into the people that are in our society right now that are committing these crazy fucking acts, these mental, these mental cases, these shootings, these school shootings, these you know, disgusting crimes that we see on the news every single day. The reason why this is happening is because they are exposed to this shit five, 10, 15 years prior, and they have built 
a lifestyle of all of this stuff inside their brain that they don't have the mental capacity to even um, to even comprehend yet because the brain doesn't fully develop until you're in your 20s. So if you're exposed to this shit at five, six years old and you carry that all the way through your teens, all the way up till you're 20, and all you know is all this stuff that this fake reality that you're living on social media, on the internet, and all this negativity that we're exposed to constantly that fucks with adults. It fucks with adults. Like we as adults can't even be positive, successful, motivated human beings because of what we're exposed to on the internet. What do you expect a 6, 10, 15, 16-year-old? How do you expect them to comprehend this? They can't. They don't have the mental capacity to do it. So the so what are we doing as parents to prevent this from happening? We lack the responsibility and we lack the, the means to do the work on ourselves. So we're always looking for an out. We're always looking for the easy way to occupy the kids. Let me just give them a phone. Let me just give them a PlayStation. Let me just give them a, the internet or to put a screen in front of his face for you know, 10 hours out of the day so that I don't have to do my job as a parent. And what does that cause? That causes things like the situation that George just described, a six-year-old bringing to a gun and pulling the trigger in a fucking classroom. This comes down to parenting. And it's disgusting, honestly, and I'm sick of it. And George, who just became a parent seven months ago, we were talking about his kid and you know the, the types of things that he was doing and, and training his daughter over the course of the last seven months and I see the progress that his daughter has made and you know how happy she just is to like be alive and be in a social environment. It's fucking awesome. And it's disturbing at the same time to see these other kids grow up so quickly, six years old, doing what they're doing at such a young age. It just really blows my mind and it's it, I don't know what's going on in these in these families, but there's there's some change that needs to be that, that needs to take place. And I think, you know, the solution right now is a limit on social media. It's a limit on giving our kids access to the internet and access to these things so young. And us stepping up as parents and really doing what we used to do as parents, which was take pride in our kids, work with our kids, go outside with our kids, teach them the things that we want our kids to grow up to be like. And that's just not happening now. We're lazy. We're, we're fucking lazy. And dude, I don't know. Like, I want you to take the reins on this just because I'm not a parent, but this is just my perspective from the outside looking in. And this is what I see as the root cause of why these things are happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when you were talking about social media and things like that, there's there's one video game that I absolutely can't fucking stand, and that is Grand Theft Auto. I can't stand that fucking video game. I've played it for maybe five seconds, and I thought, what what in the hell am I playing? You know, you, you this animated character is walking around beating people over the head with a with a pistol and stealing their cars and beating up women and shooting at police and I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is a video game? So, you know, it doesn't really shock me that these kids that are able to play these video games at a very early age, seven, eight, nine years old, 
it doesn't shock me that they want to go out and they want to do this stuff mm -hmm. in the real world because in the video game, there's no consequences. You turn it off, you go to bed, there's no consequences. But you do it out here in the real world and, you know, you shoot somebody or you clunk someone in the back of the head and steal their shit, there's going to be repercussions, whether it's by the law or a family member who's been through some shit and knows some shit. You know, I'll tell you right now, a six-year-old shoots one of my significant other or, or my significant other or a family member. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, that's that's risky. That's risky for that other person to do that. And, you know, in regards to, to my daughter, she's she's a hoss, man. Uh, you know, on a lighter note, she's a freaking tank, dude. <laughs> I mean, she's... She's she's a real go getter, and I can already see that in her. She she loves to play. She loves to to wrestle. She loves to you know get down with it. And I'm telling you, man, I, I see a lot of people post on social media when these things happen. How am I going to raise my daughter or my son in this life in this world? Well, I'm going to fucking tell you how I'm going to raise mine. Um, she's going to be a hard motherfucker. She's going to know about guns. She's going to know about jujitsu. She's going to know about weightlifting. She's going to know about how to beat someone's ass. You know, we're, me and her are going to hit the mats. We're going to hit the gym. We're going to go to shooting ranges. We're going to do all these things. Not because I just want her to. It's to prepare her for this fucking world. Because as a parent, it's your job. It is your job to pre prepare them for the world that they're going to be growing up in. And when I was born in 1994, it's a different world than now in 2023. Big, big, big different world. And the things that I have learned in working in a jail, in the Marine Corps, and as a police officer, you know, she's going to know those things. She's going to learn those things because it's, a, it's valuable to live, just to live, not to be a good student, not to be a hardworking American, but to live, you know, and my awareness has shot up through the roof because of her and my family. Now, when I go into a grocery store, actually, before I even enter, I have a, I have a plan. Okay. If I start hearing gunshots, I'm, I'm getting the fuck out of there with my family. I'm drawing my weapon because, you know, I got it on me. And we're getting the fuck out. Like, that's it. There is no other options. And if somebody presents a weapon to me in a store, yeah, you best believe it's going down. It's going down. So, you know, and I'm sure Nick does the same thing. It's, and people say, oh, I have PTSD because I'm, you know, constantly looking around. I'm constantly checking my surroundings. Well, we do that on a daily basis. That doesn't mean you have PTSD necessarily. It just means that your body's telling you to look around, watch your surroundings. And, you know, that's something that I'm going to teach my daughter constantly. Number one, she's a female. Number two, you know, she's beautiful in my opinion. And, you know, she's going to have weirdos. You're going to have weirdos regardless, but she's going to have weirdos constantly trying to follow her, I would imagine. And, you know, I want her to be prepared for any situation that may come. Well, that brings up a, 
a good point. I just posted on my story the other day. I was talking about situational awareness. I don't know if you saw it or not, but, uh, you know, basically what I said and what I noticed was, so every day that I drive home from the gym, I just, I turn my music off. I'm away from my phone and I just drive in silence. I got a 15 minute drive home from the gym every night. And it's like 15 minutes to myself, just me in the truck thinking about my day, thinking about what went good, thinking about what went bad and thinking about my plan for tomorrow. And as I'm driving, you know, I'm, that's like where I'm hyper aware. I, me and you are very hyper aware of people as it is because we're cops. So we're just taught to naturally be like that. Understand your surroundings, understand where the entry points and the exit points of a building are. But when you're outside the work element and you're in your like personal life, working out, you know, at home with your family, stuff like that, obviously that hyper awareness goes a little bit down, but that 15 minutes I dedicate to myself and myself only. And all I'm paying attention to is what's right in front of me. And as I'm looking around, I'm looking at all these people, these grown ass adults driving around and they are head down in their phone. Like I could literally see them scrolling through it. I could look at their, look in their fucking window and see their Instagram page. And I'm just like, if some, if anything happened right now, anything, a car rear-ended you, uh, a fucking shooting erupted, uh, a, an emergency vehicle needed to get by, whatever. It doesn't even fucking matter. You would have no idea for at least five seconds. You would be so behind the curve. And, it's dude, it's just sad how wrapped up we are in this 4 by 4 screen that we forget everything that's going on around us. And I think that's such an important lesson that you need to teach, need to be teaching your kids. It's so basic, and it's something that everybody believes that they have, but honestly, they don't. Um, and this is everywhere I go. This is this is the 15 minutes driving home in my car that I noticed it. But you can go into any grocery store. I worked an overtime gig today at Walmart um, due to some events that recently happened here in the area. Walmart's hired us for private security, so I worked an overtime gig today at Walmart, and you would not believe the level of situational awareness between these families that are so wrapped up in, they've got three kids, right? I'll see a mom with three kids and a shopping cart. And she's got so much going on in that very moment that she has no uh, idea what's going on around her in the store. So much to the point where I don't even think she realized that a police officer was working in the store or whatnot because she, you know, sometimes we'll get these people that come up to us and they'll be like, oh, why is uh, why is the police hired here now? Well, we've been hired here for two months. We've been in the store two, for two months now. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that Walmart is a place where we would have a mass shooting because you think about the level, like the, the mental capacity inside of Walmart and your typical customers, not aware of their surroundings at all. Um not prepared to attack any type of threat whatsoever and it's a store full of victims it's a store it's it's a store full of uh vulnerability people that go in there they're in their pajamas they're dressing for you know whatever and i mean these are lower class individuals lower class american citizens that have no training, no ability, no means to fight off anything that could potentially happen. And I think this is just the typical parent that te- that is in this type of scenario that you just described with the, the story of the six-year-old. I think this is the class of people that we're dealing with. 
the people that are so removed from society and removed from what's in front of them that they're not even paying attention to their kid taking a gun out of their house and doing this at, at a school. So we're talking about basic lessons as a parent. And I'm not a parent. George is a parent. But when he talks about situational awareness and teaching his kids the ability to fight and the ability to train and be a hard motherfucker, these are basic skills that you need for survival purposes, not just to win, but for survival purposes. And we don't even have that in ourselves as a, as adults. So we don't have the ability to teach that to our kids. So why do these kids wind up like that? Because their parents were never even taught situational awareness or, or the ability to fight or the abil- ability to endure or train, you know, they're, they're fat, they're out of shape. They've never lifted a weight before. They eat unhealthy. They have never done any type of mixed martial arts, fighting, training whatsoever. And they're wrapped up in their phone. So what does their kid do? Naturally, from zero to six, that's the type of lifestyle that they adapt. And it's no surprise to me that we're having a mental health crisis in our world right now at such a young age because the parents don't even have the ability to possess those skills in the first place. So, you know, we're just here to kind of bring the the issue to the forefront and explain what you should be teaching your kids and what you what skills you should be possessing as adults in order to set them up for success. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, just like um, Seth Farah said multiple times, you know, everybody everybody has mental health problems. Everybody. Everybody. There is not one person on this earth that does not have some sort of mental health problem. That doesn't mean you have to go out and get medication. That doesn't mean you have to hide in the corner with all the lights off every day and eat freaking Cheetos. Guys, you know, I'm not here to have a pity party, but, you know, I was taken from my mother at seven years old. And that was due to how she was treating me and my, my sister. I was getting hit in the face with ashtrays, getting smoke blown in my face when I was little. I don't remember that because it was traumatizing, you know, and I'm not on medication. My medication is a gym. My medication is jujitsu. My medication is going out, doing fun things with my friends and my family. Guys, I'm not trying to take away from anyone's past or their harsh upbringings, but that's not a crutch. You know, that's not a crutch to say, Oh, I've had a hard pass. Let me just, you know, go get on a bunch of medication and hate everybody. You know, I'm not saying I've been through a lot, but I've been through some things to understand, you know, what is good and what is bad. And these people that think love is the end-all be-all and the the conqueror of, of evil, they're just full of shit. I mean, guys, you know, I've seen violence. I have done violence, but... Violence in a good way wins. I promise you that. You know, if if these guys that are carrying out these very bad things, these terrible things, like 9-11, um, Hitler, I mean, whatever you want to think about, do you think, oh, in hate, love matters, all that thing, do you think that would have conquered Hitler? Uh, I'm going to tell you no. No. That took good violence to say hey motherfucker you're done you're done doing this stuff and just so everybody knows i don't know if they do but hitler was actually on methamphetamines 
um, pretty much the whole time he was uh, the leader of the Nazi regime. So, you know, and that's that's another thing is is the effect of drugs on the population. You know, just because you have a harsh upbringing or, or a, a harsh past, that doesn't mean you have a past to go get high every day and, you know, get hooked on heroin and all these things. You know, I, like that was never a thing for me. You know, my thing was, hey, I want to stop the things that I went through when I was younger. I want to be the reason that, you know, a domestic situation doesn't happen. You know, if if a, a father is beating on his six-year-old daughter and I'm there in the middle of it, you know, I want to be the reason to stop that asshole. You know, and that has been a situation that I have been in before. And I felt really good about that, you know. Yeah, we got into it. We got physical. But, hey, guess what? That bad evil lost that night. And the good evil that, you know, I'm sorry, the good violence that I had to use against that person won. And I say violence because violence isn't always bad. And, you know, mental health, guys, is... It's going down a bad road because I can't tell you how many people I've come across that, you know, are on medication, some sort of medication, you know, PTSD, PTSD is what I've heard so much that it's almost, you know, you almost roll your eyes, but, you know, I have a lot of Marine Corps buddies that actually do have PTSD and I can't roll my eyes so much, but, you know, yes, PTSD is there. PTSD is, is all over the place with six-year-olds all the way up to 80 year olds. But my point is, it's not a crutch. You know, you can't use that to get through life, especially at six years old. You have your whole life ahead of you. You can't use PTSD from something that happened, um, whatever that may be, as a crutch. So, you know, it, it's, it's very, you know. Dude, PTSD, depression, they're just buzzwords that people cling on to and literally live their whole fucking life saying that I didn't do this because I was depressed or I am not happy because I am depressed or I've got PTSD. Bro, we all have that shit. We all have experiences. We all have trauma. It's called life. You know, it builds you or it breaks you. And the problem is most people let it break them. They, they go through one event that they never, ever recover from, whether it be a breakup a divorce, um, a death in the family. You have to understand that bad shit is going to happen and it's going to happen in levels and it's going to happen when you least expect it. It happens to all of us. You either let that break you or you let it make you. And regardless, it's going to be part of your story. And do you want your story to be, well, this happened to me, so the rest of my life was based around this happening to me and that was the worst moment of my life? Or... This happened to me, and because of that, I became this. I realized the value of life. I realized that my time is limited on this earth. I realized that, shit, you know, bad things are going to happen, but maybe I could use this negativity and maybe I could use these bad things to create a bad motherfucker out of myself. And that's exactly what you just described, dude. You had a tough upbringing, you know? You went through a lot of things that other people haven't, and you could have let that break you, and you could have gone down a path that would have sent you, you know, spiraling and sent you, you know, into a super depressed state. And you even described like you were at that point for a little bit, 
in the last episode that we did. Yep. But you took that and you were aware, again, you were aware, not just of everything around you, but you're aware of like, okay, this is not a good state. Like you're aware of your internal being at that point. And you took that as your trigger to go the opposite direction. So I need an outlet. I need something that's going to get me out of this. I need the gym. I need, and you turn to good things. You didn't turn to medication. You didn't turn to band-aids. You turn to things that are going to create that bad motherfucker that we talk about. Medication is never going to create that bad person. That's literally going to make you feel good for a temporary time. But when you start creating habits and you start doing things that build the character that you are, that's something that lasts a lifetime. And eventually when you do that long enough, that person outweighs the person that you were before that traumatic event happened. And that's what people don't understand. They stay depressed for four months at a time, six months at a time, a year at a time. And then they go through it for so long that they feel that that's their identity. And they actually adapt that as their identity. And then for the rest of their life, they're just saying, well, I was depressed and you know I couldn't do this because of that. When in reality, if they looked at that situation as, yeah, that was a shitty moment, but one day I'm going to be able to tell this story about how I became this fucking person because of this happening and then impact and move other people because of that, that's a completely different story. And I don't think people really take the time to really digest that, but the more hardships you have and the more shit that happens to you, it's almost a good thing. It's You should almost look at it as an advantage that other people don't have because that shit is motivation to turn the corner. Every time I have something negative that happens to me, and I've talked about this before, like with past relationships that didn't work or just job you know, promotions that I didn't get, things that happened to me that didn't go my way. I've always made a note of that person or the time that it happened. And I look back at it frequently and I'm like, this happened, but look who I am now. Look who I am now. And if I'm not better than that person that I was when that thing happened, that's a failure in my opinion, but it's a pivot for me to move in the opposite direction that I need to move. So that I can look back at those people or I can look back at those events and say, I'm glad that shit happened to me because it turned me into the monster that I am right now. And dude, if you can have that ability, that's a skill, by the way, if you can develop that skill to pivot in times of uncertainty, hardships, bro, you're going to be unstoppable in your life. And that's something that you definitely possess. I know for a fact, and it's going to translate to your daughter and it's going to translate to all the kids that you have. And, dude, it's cool. I just think that if more parents literally develop this skill, this awareness that we talk about of bad shit happening to them and turning it into positives and turning it into just a piece of their story instead of their life story, that changes the entire trajectory, not just of them, but their family tree, too, and everybody around them. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know... I, I've talked to many people about my childhood, my upbringing, and yeah, people say, you know, oh my gosh, it's so terrible, it's so bad, and so I'm so sorry that happened to you. I actually, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm really not. Um, I went from living on, you know, basically on the streets of Norfolk, um, and you know, another short little story is when I was maybe three or four years old, uh, my mom was high and. We heard a knock at the door. She asked me to open the door and 
I could barely reach the knob, and as soon as I opened the knob, I had a black object hit me right in my mouth, and it was a boot. Um, and then I saw three males beating my mom severely, and they walked out the door. And, you know, I... And I, I, once again, I only remember that because it was, it was traumatic. It was, it's like a three second memory in my, in my head and I had to go get stitches. And, um, that was really the turning point in the court system, um, for me to get out of there. Um, and you know, this isn't a, a, a knock on my mom. Um, you know, she had her issues. She had her things. That's something I had to work through internally to understand and to, uh, like Nick said, I had to redirect that. You know, I couldn't be angry at my mom because I want to sit right with the Lord. And, you know, I, and, and I want to sit right with my future. I can't go through life with hatred towards people that have done me wrong. I just have to redirect that energy. And, you know, that's something that I've had to do my whole life. Um, and honestly, you know, raising my daughter, uh, I hope that she never has that experience. God forbid anything happened to me, but... If she's under my roof, that will not happen to her. Um, she will know that she is loved. She will know that she has someone that will 100% always care for her and always be there for her. But once again, that's not going to be a crutch. You know, she's going to have to earn, you know, her living. She's going to have to earn her rights. And, you know, people may think that's hard, but that's going to teach her. That's going to teach her valuable lessons down the road. And when I was taken from my mother, it wasn't a skate-free, you know, whoo, I got a new house to go live into. You know, my grandparents, thank God for my, my grandmother, rest in peace. She, she really took me under their roof and she said, hey, you may not have had a good upbringing, but, you know, you're going to learn some things now. You're going to learn how to be a good young man. You're going to learn respect. You're going to learn all these valuable things. And, you know, that was, that was pretty much done, you know, all by her. And my grandfather, he, he taught me a lot of valuable things of what not to do as a parent. Um, but my grandmother really taught me a lot. And that's what I'm going to pass down to my daughter. And one thing that she never did was go easy on me. You know, she was, when I, when I first started living with her, she was in her 60s. And she never once took it easy on me. And, you know, I was outside working in the woods all day with my grandfather. And, you know, she really was the person to say, no, you're going to be out there till the work is done. And, you know, sun up to sun down. Yeah, you can stop for lunch. But after lunch, your, your ass is going back out there. And, you know, I was, I was 10, 11, 12 years old at that point. And that's when I was introduced to hunting and guns and things like that. And that's exactly what I'm going to do with my daughter. And, you know, it, and, and I had a lot of mental stuff going on as a child. I did. I mean, I, I went to see therapists and things like that. But, you know, I never once was introduced to medication. And I thank God for that because, you know, I'm able to mentally control myself. And, you know, the things that I feel, anger and all these other things, I can mentally control myself to not lash out at people when they're being stupid or when they're doing very, you know, lackadaisical things like Nick was saying with the cell phone and driving. That pisses me off, man, because at any second, anything can happen. 
and you go into a freaking tailspin and you hit three or four cars and i mean the list goes on but you know it's it's like hey you know as parents i'm not the only parent obviously here in this world but as parents that are listening really i really want and, I, and once again i'm not an expert you know my daughter's seven months old but you know i have a plan going forward to raise her i have a plan each day to raise her when she's playing in the floor i'm not going to be on my phone i'm going to be down there on the floor with her because she loves to crawl over with me she loves to you know hit me and try to wrestle me and she, at seven months old i mean that's that's amazing so you know guys be more be more into your children's lives and make sure they know not just the good stuff but the really bad things too don't act like it's uh you know not out there it's out there it, i promise you i mean a six-year-old shot a teacher today it's out there in newport news virginia so guys just you know don't don't take it for granted teach your kids the good things but teach them the bad things too almost more than the good things do bro do you ever wish that you had it harder because i have like this like how i kind of look at it and you you describe your hardships and i'm like that's dude that's a cool fucking story like you went through all this stuff you became this hard dude very accomplished you know marine corps officer father you look great you're jack like life experience <laughs> Thank you. all this shit dude and i like i bloomed late as it like it took me a couple years into my 20s i think it was like 25 26 when i really started to like see the world for the way that it is and see what skills i need to be successful and how to you know diet properly how to work out properly how to run a business how to uh develop leadership skills stuff like that i, I was just so immature and a lot of the shit i had to teach myself and i see like a lot of young bucks now they develop these skills much sooner, early 20s, if not 19, 20, 21, they're developing leadership skills and stuff like that. And I think the reason for that being is because they had some sort of hardship growing up that they, it gave them kind of like a zero options mentality, so to speak. So it pushed their back up against a wall and they used that story as leverage to pivot, like I was kind of describing, into, okay, I don't want to be this person anymore. How do I be successful? So you go the other way. I never truly had that struggle. Like, you know, my parents weren't super rich by any means that like, but I had a good life. I had a good childhood. Like I always had a roof over my head, never had to worry about food, never had to worry about Christmas gifts under the tree at Christmas, always had family, always had support. And I look back and I'm like, if I had like true hardships, if I had like shit to overcome, would I have started my success journey sooner would i have developed these skills sooner in my life instead of having to self-teach myself and read books listen to podcasts do these things to develop these skills you know it's something that always like goes through my mind i think i always think about my story and i think this is where i differ from typical society is people always look at hardships as why am i going through this like this fucking sucked why is this happening to me i look at a hardship i'm like I'm glad that this hardship is happening because this is going to teach me some shit and I know I'm going to pivot out of it. I know I'm going to, I'm here right now, but eventually I'm going to be there. Yeah. And it's always, I always know that it's temporary in the moment. 
no matter how shitty it is, I know that it's temporary in the moment. Whereas most people think of it as like, why is, why me? Why is this happening? This is my life. I was given a bad hand and they never get the fuck out of it. But if you looked at it as like, it's an opportunity for you to grow and it's a lesson, that shit will change your fucking life. I just wish I almost had harder hardships to begin with that I can move out of so that I would have developed those skills earlier. I just want to get your thoughts on that. And like, is that something that ever even runs through your mind? Uh, yeah, yeah, it actually does. You know, I, I think about the stuff that I've been through and I, I kind of sit back and I'm like, wow, that, that stuff is kind of, kind of deep and it's kind of, <laughs> kind of brutal. But at the same time, I think, you know, that really wasn't shit. You know, that got all that stuff that I was talking about, you know, I look at it now and I'm like, you know, my, my, my mindset is I wish a motherfucker would, you know, like, <laughs> so you know, it's kind of, it, yeah, it, I, I do kind of think, like, what if I had even a harder upbringing? Not that I had that, but, you know, what if I did? What if I went through more challenging things? And and I kind of think, you know, and then I, on the other end of the spectrum, I think, what if I would have had a different upbringing, a, a much better upbringing? And, you know, I, and I, I sit back and I just think, you know, I'm grateful because I truly believe that God has navigated me plan. Yes, through the things that I have been through. Because what are the chances a six-year-old grandmother and grandfather say one day, hey, this child needs help. You know, he's getting kicked in the face by unknown you know, people breaking and entering for heaven's sakes. Mm -hmm. This is bad shit. You know, what are the chances of that happening? And they take me in and, and honestly, you know, not to, not to talk bad about them because they probably saved my life, but the, the hard, the hard road didn't end there. Uh, my grandfather was an alcoholic. He was full German blood. Um, he did not take it lightly on me and my grandmother. And honestly, that's one of the reasons I started working out. I was 14 years old. And didn't know shit about anything. Um, and he was yelling at my grandmother. And I told him to shut the fuck up. And the next second, I was five feet in the air and flat up against the wall. And he had me by my throat. And, you know, for about two or three seconds, I, I was terrified. I was scared. But then my mentality changed while he had me by my throat and I said you know what fuck this dude you know fuck this guy I I'm gonna do what I need to do to protect myself and protect my grandmother while I'm in this house and shortly thereafter uh, I had an opportunity and I took full advantage of it my aunt asked me to watch their dog she was gonna give me $200 and I said hey instead of that can you get me a weight set and she said, sure, it's an odd request. And I said, yeah, I know, I just, I just want the weights. I want to get into weight, weightlifting like you. She was a personal trainer. And every day, every day I went out there, went out to the little shed, and I was pumping the weights. Didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I almost blew my elbows out doing some weird curls. But, hey, I had one goal, and that was to get bigger to 
not hurt my grandfather, but simply to protect myself and my grandmother. And that was at 14. And I haven't stopped working out. And guys, that's what that's what me and Nick are talking about with this is, you know, take the hardships in your life and turn it into something good. Turn it into something really, really good. And, you know, like this, this shooting that happened today, a lot of parents can say, oh my gosh, this was a terrible thing. This should have never happened. You're right. But, you know, is it going to end when everybody goes to bed? Or are parents going to say, hey, little Susie, tomorrow or whenever the weekend, we're going to go out and we're going we're gonna to know what a gun is. We're going to know what to do when you hear gunshots. You're going to know what to do in a school when people start dropping dead from gunshot wounds at six years old. Because obviously that's when it's happening. That's what Nick and I are talking about. Do you say, oh my gosh, this was terrible, and then go to bed? Or do you wake up with a plan as a parent to say, hey, we're, gonna, we're going to do this. Now, whether you want to you know, continue with it later on in life, whatever, that's your, your choice as a child. But, you know, because you know, I'm, I'm one of those parents that I, I'm not going to force my child uh, after the fact. But initially, she's going she's gonna to get the basics. Because it's going to be beneficial either way. Yeah, man. I think, dude, failures and traumatic events are the best teachers in life. And it th- those will literally make or break your life. And the harder the failures you have and the harder traumatic events you have that you overcome, the stronger of a person you become. And just like the example that we used at the start of this podcast with that shooting, you as a parent you're responsible for your kids' actions at six years old, at seven years old, at 12 years old, at 15 years old. You are responsible for your kids' actions. And you could hear this story, listen to this podcast, and say, man, that fucking sucks. Like, I can't believe that happened. And then go on tomorrow the exact same way that you went on today and have spent the last however long you've been a parent for. Or you could listen to this episode, you could read that story, and you could say, shit. How do I take a preventative measure? How do I become a person that would feel confident reacting to a situation like this so that my kid can see me as that role model and that leader and then want to be that type of person? Because you can't teach your kid something that you're not, okay? If you're trying to teach your kid how to operate a firearm and how to react in a situation like this, and how to be this strong fighter, this hard motherfucker, but you're not a hard motherfucker. They're ain't gonna learn. They're not gonna learn anything. That goes back to the they do as you do, not as you say type of thing. Okay, so in order to teach this shit, you need to be this shit, and that takes responsibility as a parent to be that person. And a lot of you guys have become parents before you're actually the person that your kid needs. And I think that's the line that you guys need to hear. You need to be that person before you be that parent. Okay? So whether that we can use firearms all day as the example, but you need to be a person that's confident in your abilities, that's confident, that possesses these skills to be 
a successful person before you could be a successful parent because eventually your kids are going to realize they're going to catch on. They're like, well, why isn't mom doing this? Why isn't dad doing this? They're teaching me something, but they're not that. Okay. And it may be 10 years old that they realize that. It may be 15 years old that they realize that. It might be 23 that they realize that. But eventually they're going to realize that, that you taught them something that they're not. And there's no better example that you can set than your actions. Okay. This is part of the reason why I haven't had kids personally, because I don't feel that I am the most competent, like superstar that I could be. And I want to be that shit so that when my kid grows up in this world, they're like, damn, dad's a superstar. Dad's a fucking rock star. He's a beast. I want to be that dude. And I don't feel like I'm that dude. So I'm not going to bring a kid in when I'm not that guy. But when I am that guy, I'm going to make sure that my kid is that guy. And that's the fucking standard. That's the least standard. He's going to be better than me. And some of you guys aren't that person at all. You're not that man. You're not that woman that your kid needs you in. Okay? So if there's one thing that I want you to take out of this podcast, it's you can't teach your kids something that you're not. So if you're not competent handling a threat in a Walmart or in a school... Don't try to teach your kid that. Learn that skill. Be that person. Be a hard motherfucker. And lead by example. So when your kid is six, seven, eight years old, they start to catch on. They start to see things. They're like, man, dad is a fucking sharpshooter. Damn, dad knows how to fight. Oh, dad boxes. Okay, he works out. I want to bench 315. They see that. And that's how they learn. Okay, they don't learn by you telling them to bench 315. They learn by them watching you bench 315 and then seeing the pump afterwards. That's it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm serious yeah, yeah. now. Absolutely. That's how I learn. Yeah. I don't learn by people telling me shit. I learn by watching videos of Seth Ferrosi fucking getting a pump on. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, I want to look like that. That's yeah. how I get a pump on? Cool. Yeah. And, and that's how you need to act as a parent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Nick, what you just said you know, at the start of that is what makes you a fucking great guy is not bringing a child into this world. If you're not ready, if you're not ready to fully take on that responsibility, don't do it. Don't, you know, shoot your freaking, you know, your little swimmies into the freaking watering hole. If you're not ready to do that. And, you know, I say that because, guys, it is possible not to. I did it for 28 years, and I found the person I would plan to marry, and we have a child now. So I promise you, you know, it's possible. And, you know, I, I, I really do want you guys to know that I'm sure Nick, uh, I haven't talked to him a whole lot about his police experiences, but I'm sure he's been in some scary situations i know i have and guys i know seals personally that have been in scary situations these situations are scary you know a walmart shooting you walmart you go there to shop this isn't iraq or afghanistan this is walmart yeah these things are scary but when your daughter or your son looks up at you and says I'm scared. What are you going to look at him and say, me too? Like, yeah, I mean, who who is going to come and protect them? Me and Nick? Probably. Or it could be you. It can be you as a mother or a father. doesn't matter who. 
It can be you that grabs your daughter or your son's hand and says, no, I got you. Let's go. And you, you, whatever your plan is, you form a plan in that very moment and you execute it as a parent. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to join the Marine Corps or be a Navy SEAL or be a police officer to do that. I know plenty of, plenty of hard guys, hard motherfuckers that, you know, they're not, they have no military background, no police background, but I wouldn't want to go toe to toe with them because they train, they train all the time. They train hand to hand. They train with firearms. They train with freaking God knows what lightsabers and shit. Like these are bad motherfuckers and you don't have to be in a special thing or organization to do that. You just have to be a parent. You know, you got to be a parent and you got to protect your children. Not only can you be that, you should be that. You're obligated to be that. Like that's your obligation when you become a parent. Like, I, I don't, you guys, most of you don't think about this until after the fact. And by the way, I don't want to, like, I'm saying I haven't had a kid yet because I don't feel like I'm that. Just because you've had a kid doesn't mean you still can't become that too. Like we are always in a process of becoming better and becoming stronger. So just because you've had a kid and you don't feel like you're that right now doesn't, shouldn't stop you from progressing. You should always be doing that. Even when I do have a kid one day, I'm still not going to feel like I'm at the top of my fucking game. I still got work to do. I always do. But all you can do is become as prepared as you need to be to feel confident in your abilities to handle business when a situation presents itself, if a situation presents itself. And you should always expect that situation to present itself, okay? And we don't have parents that do that right now, which is why we're having so many issues like the issue that we've gone over three, five, three to five times in this episode already. It's extremely frustrating. So I want this to be a fucking reality check. And I'm not saying you got to come out here and be Floyd Mayweather, but feel confident in your abilities to handle a situation. Feel confident in your abilities to if your son or your daughter come to you and say, you know, I'm worried or dad, I'm scared. Like you should be able to say, Everything's going to be all right. We got this shit. In fact, we're going to handle this shit right now. Like you should be the one that handles that shit. And if you don't feel that way, then you got some work to do. And we all have some work to do. But the first step is awareness. And the first step is taking the initiative in yourself to doing this. And I think we as a society right now have become so complacent as parents. And we're just so caught up in, you know other things that we don't work on ourselves enough. And that's the biggest fucking problem right now. We're not working on ourselves and all this stuff and life comes at us and we get bombarded with this situation, a kid, a family, a job, a career that all of a sudden we stop developing as humans when we always have to be developing as humans because we're the example. And ultimately we're all that we're all that our kids have when they're that young when they're months, five, six, seven years, we're all that they have. They're all, we're all that they see. So what you are in that moment is what they're going to become. And if you're not proud of that, if you don't want your kid to become what you are in that current moment, then you have work to do. And you have to realize that before you do it. And then you have to create an action. So we're six days into this year. 
It's 2023. Some of you are talking about New Year's resolutions, what your plan is. Okay, you want to go get a gym membership. You want to go, you know, get your diet in track. Why don't you identify the steps that you're weak as a parent right now so that these are, and take other failures and other parenting failures as your example and your motivation so it doesn't happen within your family. Take this story of this six-year-old going to a school and shooting a teacher as, shit, I need to get my shit together because this hasn't happened with my family, but you know what? It's not going to happen within my family because I am taking action right now. Let that be your motivation. Let that be your New Year's resolution. And I really hope that you guys listen to this and see these stories and you take the negative and turn it into a positive. Because that's the only way we're going to get we're going to get better as a country. The only way that our parents are going to get better. The only way our kids are going to get better. And the only way we're going to get out of this mental health crisis that we're in right now is taking initiative in ourselves and doing what we need to do to set the example and be the role model to our kids and our future generation. Absolutely. I mean, it's guys, the future is, is what's important. Yes, we can learn from the past. The past is there, but the future is, is what is important. And guys, we can move forward and act like, oh my gosh, that's really bad. And then you look the other way, but sooner or later, that violence is going to find you. Whether it's now or in 10 years or 20 years, you know, like just recently, the Virginia Beach shooting, the, you know, VA Strong, that was an office. You know, this isn't just schools that you need to worry about. This is for you too, you know, adults. This is for you. You know, if something happens at your workplace, you know, don't you want to be prepared don't you want to have a game plan once your focus is off that, you know, that negative or that threat? And then you can formulate a plan because of your training. And that can be personal training. It doesn't have to be, you know, like I said before, it doesn't have to be military. It doesn't have to be police training. It can be simple training. But don't you want that? I always feel better going into a place and thinking, Holy crap, what if a dude does start lighting up the store? Bro, I look forward to it. Right, yeah. Like, like, like holy crap, dude. What if, what if this really happens? And then for the next second, I'm like, huh, all right. You know? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all that, all those, all that thoughts, all those thoughts and the training. And, you know, I, I'm like, all right. But you're happen. always thinking about it and you're always in the, yeah. the mental space to handle it if it need, needs be. Yeah. I love being that guy personally. Yeah. I love when people come up to me when I'm working that overtime gig at Walmart and they're like, damn, Nick, you, uh, you look like you got good control over this place right now. Like, That is the greatest compliment to me. But just because I'm a police officer doesn't mean that I'm the only person that's capable of doing that. You are capable of doing that. And I'll tell you, there's no better confidence, confidence uh, increase that you could have than feeling that way. When you walk into a store, you walk into a Chipotle, or you walk into your job and People know that you're the person that's going to handle business when shit hits the fan. Why are we talking about depression? Why are we talking about mental health? Because nobody feels this way. If you're physically adequate to handle situations and you walk in and you're like, I feel good. I know that I look good. I know that my coworkers and everybody around me look to me as the answer if shit hits the fan. 
that boosts your confidence immediately. And you're going to feel so much better about yourself when you walk around on a daily basis like that. Most people don't feel like that. So when they don't feel like that, they feel depressed or they think they feel depressed. They're not actually depressed. They just don't feel confident in their abilities to handle shit. But George will tell you and I'll tell you, when you feel confident in your shit and when you feel like you look good and other people are telling you that you're the answer to our problems, we never have a problem to worry about. We never have any threat. We look forward to that threat because we know that we're prepared and we're willing to go to battle if need be. And I wish that we, as American citizens, because we have an obligation to our country to be this, we're the strongest country, and that country is represented by our people. So we, as the people, have the, the obligation to be that, and we're not being that right now. And that's why we're in such a crisis. So how do we get out of this crisis? Stop looking to your neighbor. Stop looking to your brother. Stop looking to your friend. Stop looking to your coworker. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, what the fuck do I need to do to handle the problem in front of me? And if more people did that shit, we'd be a strong country. We'd be a strong nation. And we wouldn't see our kids growing up six years into their life with a fucking body on their plate already. Yeah, I mean, so another thing that I'm going to teach my daughter is no one, no one can better protect you than you. Not me as your father, but you. Shit hits the fan and, and someone gets a lucky, lucky shot on me and puts me on the ground. She's not going to go. Oh no, what happened? She's going to go, oh fuck no. And she's going to take that motherfucker out. That's what I want to teach her. Not, oh no, dad got shot. Handle business first, then you check on me. Handle the threat first, then you make sure I'm okay. I probably will be, but you make sure I'm okay. And then we'll walk out the store together. You know, that's one thing that I'm going to teach her. So that's on, that's on you guys too, the listeners. That's on you. You know, don't look to the police to handle business. You, you are the first line defense when something happens right in front of you. You, you guys, the concealed carry guy that's, you know, the, the old Joe Schmo walking through the store and shots ring out and he puts a headshot on you from 30 yards away. That's a bad motherfucker. You know, whether he had previous military or police, I don't know. But, you know, he's he's got a concealed carry for a reason. You know, that's that's the type of guys and gals that you need to be. You know, females too. You know, I've, I know a lot of bad females. And they great shooters, great fighters. I mean, guys, like, don't think, oh, I'm a female. I can't. Not that a lot of females think that way, but some do. Don't think that you're not, you know, a liable freaking source to take somebody out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dude, we're talking about real, those are life or death type situations. Y'all motherfuckers can't even handle disputes with your spouse without calling the police. Let's be honest. Yeah. You call the police because you're, you're worried that your, your spouse is going to take the kid or some shit like that. That's the type of calls that we get. So why don't you worry about handling that first? Like, how do I get out of my situation that's an everyday type of thing 
that may not be life or death and worry about taking care of business at home. And then I'll train myself to deal with the later events, life or death type situations. Like you guys, it just blows my mind when I hear things like defund the police, but then you guys call us for the stupidest shit. In Virginia <laughs> Beach, 90% of our calls are not warranted for a police response. They can be handled in-house. They're not criminal and whatsoever. They want somebody else to solve their problem. Become a problem solver. Like, be a fucking adult. It just, I don't know, man. It just frustrates me just thinking about that shit. Oh, yeah. One of my least favorite calls is when a parent calls and says, oh, my, my daughter's not going to school. Okay, well, so do you not understand that police are, they handle law enforcement actions, not your child not going to school? What about when a dad calls? A dad, a grown-ass man calling another man to tell his daughter or his kid to go to school or to do X. Like, bro, uh, Yeah. never in a million years will I call another man to tell my kid <laughs> what to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know how I handle that call? I go, I talk to the child first, and then I talk to the father. Because that's a a two-part call there. You can't just talk to the the child, and the child says, okay, I'll go to school. You know how I handle that call? I don't talk to the kid. I talk to the father. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I I said, do you realize what you're you're calling in right now, what you're doing? Yeah. All right? You're handling, you're you're calling me to be the father of your kid. Yeah. How does that sound, me just saying it like that? And usually that kind of like, well, you don't have to say it like, well, yeah, I do have to say it like that because that's what you're doing right now. Yeah. You're calling another man to parent your kid yeah. because you're incapable of doing it. Yeah. And I, and I asked all you guys to, uh, to excuse my toxic masculinity, but I did legs today, so I'm a little, I'm a little amped up. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, guys, what we're basically saying is, you know, shit. handle your shit. Be adults because your children are watching you. They're watching you. My seven month old is watching my every move. And I know that because if I can simply tap the table that she's sitting at or standing at, she'll go and tap my hand seconds later. And we'll do this over and over and over. That tells me she is comprehending what I'm doing and what I am physically doing with my hand. So then she wants to do it. Guys, it's not, that's not a coincidence. That's not, that's learning. That is a child learning from the parent. So whatever you're doing in your home, if you have a trashy home, they're going to think that's okay. If you're beating up on each other, they're going to think that's okay. So they're going to think that's normal. Right. Like that's, that's all they know is unorganized filth. And we go, through, we go to this all the time. I'm sure you guys do oh, out yeah. where you're at. But, like, going into these houses with these kids and the place is just disgusting. Oh, yeah. And it's like that's what they perceive as normal. Yep. I, I have been in at some houses where I'll look inside from the outside and I will not step foot inside mm-hmm. that house. Because I can see from the steps. And they're, oh, come in, come in. No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm fine right here. I don't want to go into your, your trash bucket, okay? Like, so guys, you know, yes, I understand kids are messy. I'm learning that every day. Trust me. But that's not a reason to just say, oh, well, you know, it's a kid. No, clean it up, 
And then once they're un- once they're able to understand what they're doing is wrong, then you discipline them if they don't get it on the first time. Discipline is still a thing, parents. I plan on doing that as well. These parents that just allow things to happen and allow things to go on, you know, discipline is a thing. There's a there's a line between discipline and child abuse, but discipline is still a thing. It's still a valuable, you know, lesson learner. Yeah, it's called consequences. And it's something we haven't even hit on this podcast yet. I know we're at an hour, but I almost wanted I wanted to hit on consequences and how much of a problem this is in our society. And it does stem from parenting and there's a huge problem with lack of consequences within the household. But there's also a huge problem with consequences outside the household in our judicial system, okay? And I'm seeing day in and day out in the courts these people, these convicts, these people that should not be out in society getting off on things left and right. DUIs that are serving no jail time getting off with a fine and a suspended license for six months and then they're back on the road. DUI, if you get convicted of a DUI... You should be in jail for one year, in my opinion. Yeah. If you put that standard in a society, how many DUIs do you think are going to happen? <laughs> if you know Not that you're many. if you're convicted of a DUI, you go to jail for one year. You're probably going to second guess yeah. drinking and driving. Absolutely. I'm going to go to jail for one year. No ifs, ands, or buts. No probation. If you kill somebody premeditated, that was your plan. You followed through with that plan. You killed that person. You should get the death penalty. In my opinion, no ifs, ands, or buts, no twenty-five to life, no opera, no ability to get parole, no good behavior. No, like you kill somebody, you had the plan to kill that person, you intentionally killed that person, you don't deserve to live. In my opinion, that standard, all these standards have gone to the wayside, and now we give these criminals too many options, too many outlets, like. Let's make a deal. Let's do this. You know, you'll only serve this much time if you pay this much money and do this much service and do this driving class. You make it so easy for these people to commit these things and then you wonder why the DUI statistics and the murder rates are so much higher. Well, what do you know? They have so many more options. They know that they're not going to get consequences. They know there's a there's a chance that they're going to walk. They know they're they're going to get a deal. The standard needs to come back to the consequence matches the crime. You commit the crime, this is what happens. And we've gone so far to the wayside about that in this country that we don't feel like we have consequences anymore. Everybody gets a fucking trophy. Everybody walks. And now we've become this pussified culture of victims that we can get away with pretty much anything and have a moderate level of success. And that's pretty fucking sad. Yeah, speaking of sad, there was a Riverside County Sheriff's deputy that was recently killed in 2022. And I'm not even going to say the guy's name that did this horrific crime um, because it's not worth saying. But so this um, Riverside County Sheriff's deputy, Isaiah Cordero, uh, did a traffic stop on a this individual. He had an extensive violent past. I mean, extensive. Convicted felon, I don't know how many times. Um, he had multiple assaults with deadly weapons. 
he um, had so many violence towards police and citizens that he was convicted of. Um, he was out on uh, bond three times within several months. And he even stabbed a canine dog. Thankfully, the dog survived. But this is not this this guy was not a nice guy whatsoever, and you know, I I really my thoughts and prayers are with uh, this deputy's family. But he was shot and killed by this guy. He was out on bond. Why is this guy on bond? He has multiple multiple convictions with ex with an extensive violent past. St stabbed a canine dog for heaven's sake. And he is out on bond and then kills a deputy. Kills a deputy and now his family and his kids will no longer have him in their lives because this piece of shit got a pass over and over and over and over again. It doesn't make sense. And this is what I'm so passionate about because, yeah, okay, you still, you know, uh, bubble gum from a gas station. Yeah, okay whatever dude but you have a violent past and yet you still make bond for why 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 are you out on bond and then you even have the opportunity to shoot and kill a deputy to me that's on the judge that is on the judicial system that in my opinion is completely fucked and it's because of the softer penalties for these crimes. You know, I was telling Nick earlier, I arrested a guy for nine felonies and three misdemeanors. And he was in jail for a month. And he got time served. Which means that month that he spent in jail was his only penalty. He got 10 years over his head on with, you know, <laughs> with good actions and not getting in trouble. But... You know, it, it didn't make any sense to me. And then literally a couple of weeks later, another um, agency asked for help identifying the subject who committed the same felonies in their jurisdiction. And I was able to identify him. And once again, you know, even though he committed these crimes and was found guilty a second time, the judicial system said, okay, time served with two months again and added 10 years. Well, I thought if he got in trouble again, he would get those 10 years in jail, no ifs, ands, or buts. But no, they just added another 10 years. Now, I'm not a judge. You know, I'm not in that seating. I'm not in that position. But it doesn't make sense to me how we're giving these people passes to just com continue committing the crimes. At what point is it going to end? That's my, that's my big question. I don't think it's going to end, bro, until... You know, we keep having these conversations and somebody, I don't know, bro. I honestly don't know what the solution to this problem is, but this is the start. The start is a conversation and the start is awareness on the issue. It These judges need to be held accountable for these things. Releasing guys on bond on felonies like this are ridiculous. Why are we not taking criminal histories into account so much as, you know, I was talking to George about this earlier, but I feel like if you have a point system set up for adults and you have 
all these violent tendencies and you've had multiple convictions of violent crimes, why aren't we doing a point system so to, so to the point where you get a certain amount of points of violent crimes, you're done. You're out. Three strikes and you're out. Whatever it is, you don't deserve to live anymore. If we put that thought in our mind that, okay, if I get to this certain level, I don't get to live anymore, that's that, then that is what's going to change people's perception. But I feel like in this country and our society now, like death is like not – it's so far gone. It's not even a possibility that we don't fear consequences anymore. That's a huge fucking problem. You know, back in the day – if somebody killed somebody or somebody even committed treason, you put your, their fucking head on the guillotine, right? Yeah. And you chop their fucking head out on public display in front of the entire city hall. Yep. Bring that shit back. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> if we have a pedophile or some motherfucker oh, that commits some heinous act, put that motherfucker on the fucking blade yep. and broadcast it. I will so. pay a ticket to go see that shit. <laughs> yeah. For real. I mean That's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. We I, need public consequences. Yeah. And and guys, you know, people and I'm sure Nick has the same experience when I'm in court and I see other, you know, officers and deputies um really trying to, you know, explain to the judge their case and it pretty much either gets dismissed or they take a plea deal or you know, they get time served, it, it's really disheartening. And it's really kind of like, okay, so what battle are we fighting here? What What is our next move here? And it's really like, it's just sickening because you know that these guys that are up on the stand, they know, they know what the next move is. They know that, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to beat this case. And guess what? Other people in the stands in the seats, they all see it. They all see it. They all know. Oh, oh, freaking Johnny got off with you know freaking breaking entering for some bozo freaking plea deal of a misdemeanor. Well, I can do that. That's what's going on. They're, they're seeing these cases happen, and they and they they go, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. There's less police officers out on the road. There's less police officers doing traffic stops. I rarely see a state trooper on the highways anymore. I mean, I remember when I was freaking in high school and I would see freaking six or seven, eight of them in Chesapeake just waiting, mm -hmm. waiting for somebody. Sitting in the median or yeah. some shit like that. And now I have people pass me going at least 110. And I'm thinking, where's a state trooper? <laughs> like, you know, and so... Guys, you know, this is the direction that we're going in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd like to drive fast. I'm not going 110, though, because of my safety and other people's safety. You know, it's a safety thing. Now, if you don't care about that, okay, well, maybe the good Lord needs to deal with you. You know, and, you know, just to bring up what Nick said about the death penalty, there's a lot of people that I know that say, well, you're not God. You can't take someone out of this world. Well, guess what? If they want to play the role of God, that individual wants to play that role and they want to commit murder, you can't tell me that that motherfucker doesn't deserve the death penalty. 
I'm sorry. If the evidence says he did it, he needs to be convicted of that and hit with the death penalty. Because mm-hmm. maybe people will understand, hey, I probably shouldn't do this. Let me go, I don't know, do something weird in a corner instead of go and murder people. Yeah, I don't give a fuck if he's mentally insane or if he claims that he, he, he had some mental illness, you know? Like, at the end of the day, consequences need to be handled appropriately at all levels. Murder, speed, in your home, with your kids. We have a problem with a lack of confidence or a lack of consequence, excuse me. And the reason for that being is we are afraid of the repercussions. We're afraid of the response that we're going to get because we're so worried about what somebody else thinks, what Aunt Sally thinks, what social media thinks, that we don't want to put that consequence on the person. We don't want to parent the kid that we know we need to. We're so afraid of what's going around around us that we can't look the thing in the eye or the person in the eye and have the communication and Give the person exactly what they need in that moment. And that's a problem. So think about this, guys. Think about what consequences you have received in your life and what lessons you learned from it and what you made of it, what type of person you became because of it. Think about the consequences that you're not giving your kids right now that they are potentially taking advantage of and they know what they're getting away of and what they're begin, what they're going to become because you didn't discipline them properly. I'm not telling you how to parent your kid. I'm not telling you how to deal with your own consequences, but the fact of the matter is this. You either consequence or you don't, and when you don't, something else results of that. So think about that, guys. And that's the one message I want to leave you with today. Consequences need to be dealt with at all levels.